The following is a hoop ball presentation. Welcome to the Fantasy NBA Today podcast. Good morning, one. Good morning, all. It's Friday. We're at the end of another week. Hey, yesterday we got into October, and I don't even think I made mention of it. It's Friday, October the 2nd. We are... I can. I, it's very easy to track how this year has gone, because I can just tell you how old my baby is. Uh, Theodore, our second kid, was born on March 25th, which was exactly six days after the California lockdown began. Exactly two weeks after the NBA shut down the first time, and somehow that same season is still going right now. The NBA Finals in full swing, Game 2 coming up tonight. I'm just excited because the Dodgers were able to win yesterday, so I don't have to try to figure out how to watch two L.A. playoff games on the same night, at least for tonight. And I don't know exactly when uh, all of the other series are taking place. I haven't looked that far ahead. I'm guessing it'll happen again, but spared for an evening. I know. Not much pity coming from you guys. It's a, it's a good problem to have. But uh, they got this other thing around here called family. And they don't much care for me just wildly flipping back and forth between two playoff games when I'm supposed to be, you know, cooking or cleaning dinner or getting a kid ready for bed or whatever the hell's going on here on a night-to-night basis. In any event, I'll figure it out. I'll figure it out. I'm a big boy. Welcome to Fantasy NBA Today. Hold the fantasy! I wouldn't like any fantasy on my hamburger, please. Good sir. Not right now, at least. Don't worry, we'll get back into it. Um, Lining up some really nice interviews after the season is done with folks that understand how the NBA draft works. I simply don't. I know teams make picks. They do it in an order. I know that that order is randomized. (laughs) Not totally. Based on uh, odds and of... uh, ping pong balls and so forth but you know I mess around a little bit you guys just know that my my stance on young NBA players rookies in particular is I almost always avoid them but I figure this is as good a year as any to do a little bit more diving into the players coming into the draft because look we've got time we haven't had a real fantasy basketball game since March 10th so let's expand our horizons a little bit you can come along with us for the ride on that front As far as today is concerned, we have a finals game to preview, Miami and L.A. It sounds like both Bam Adebayo and Goran Dragic will miss Game 2. We we pretty much knew that Dragic was out. A torn plantar fascia is no laughing matter. With Adebayo, I think they were trying to be a little bit more covert, at least at first, talking about a shoulder strain. And then there was a website that listed it as neck, although I wonder if that's either just kind of a nomenclature thing, or if it was one kind of running into the other. But if he's really that banged up, there's no point in playing. So it creates a very weird dynamic in this upcoming game too. And I hate to sort of hit you with this sledge right at the beginning of the podcast, but this is a really, really hard game to wager on. The, the way we've made most of our betting money during this postseason so far is by exploiting the continuity. 
exploiting the continuity that has been largely ignored by the talking heads, the betting masses, whatever you want to call it, basically what is, get all get lumped into one group called the public. I get it. We're all part of the public, but some of us are a little bit more attuned to little things than others. The reason I frame it like that is looking at a lot of the series we've covered so far in this podcast, there's been a consistent trend. If you're understanding adjustments and understanding pace of play, where the total in particular has been very exploitable to this point. Because the result of the game often belies what actually happened on the floor. And that's a wonderful time to catch value, sort of fading a result that doesn't match the actual occurrence. For example, if a game is played extraordinarily slowly, but both teams hit a bunch of tough shots and nobody turns the ball over, and they both overperform their pace, you know, that game probably went over, a line's going to get adjusted up based on the, the total of the previous game, even if perhaps the speed of the game itself told us that things should actually be going the other way. And sometimes the line will actually move the other way and people really freak out. So we've been able to exploit the fact that there hasn't been changes in venues. You know, it isn't like one team has the home court advantage. When a team has a home court advantage, they often have a little bit more power in dictating the tempo of the game. Take it for take this last series, for example. The Heat are probably more interested in playing a slow them down, knockout, drag well the whole, you know, the whole all the expressions, roll out all momentum. Uh basically a slugfest. And the Lakers would far prefer to get out and run in transition, just dunk all over everybody. In a in a in a box, in a vacuum, that's the way they'd prefer to do it. And in a normal season. On normal finals, you would probably see higher scoring games in L.A. and lower scoring games in Miami because, again, home teams do have a little bit more sway on how the game is played. There's just, there's an energy about it. That's never been the case in the bubble. Home teams weren't winning games, didn't matter. It's a neutral site. Every game is a neutral game. They've got some friends and family there, so there's a a little bit of noise, but it's not like it's a home team or not. They're, They're invited every game. I know you could say, well, shouldn't a a top seed get some more advantage than what they've had so far? And the answer to that is probably, but this year sort of is what it is. And, you know, we ended up at this point. The previous series, we haven't had massive injuries to deal with. Giannis went down at the tail end of the Bucks heat series. And that's really the one big one. Dame missed the very last game of Lakers Blazers, but that series was already that series was already well in hand. Um, you know, Daniel House had his weird little infidelity incident that cost Houston their, you know, fourth or fifth or sixth best player, however you want to rank it, but that's not an impact thing. This is this is the first time in a series we've we've really had someone significant go down early in the series. I'm referring mostly to Bam, but Dragic gets a shout-out as well because he's played well in these playoffs, and as far as the Heat go, he is kind of their other creator off the dribble besides Jimmy Butler. Those are basically the two guys that can do it. 
Tyler Hero is not a dribble creator at this point of his career yet. He might get to that point. I don't, I, you know, again, I, you know how I feel about rookies. Uh, for fantasy purposes, we go on what we know. That's an unknown. What we do know is that Dragic was a guy that can create. It's why the Lakers sagged back off of him and basically said, look, we dare you to just do it yourself and do it with pull-up twos or contested threes, but we're not letting you get to the rim. We're just not going to do it. So he tried to plant. He blew out his foot. Adebayo hurt his shoulder, banging around inside. Sort of, honestly, all three injuries were pretty fluky. Butler was slamming on the brakes and rolled his own ankle. He didn't even step on anyone's foot. Actually, the only play in this whole game that to me looked like it actually could have caused an injury was when Jay Crowder and LeBron James were fighting for a loose ball, and Crowder sort of yanked LeBron by his upper arm away from said loose ball. I don't think it was a dirty play. I think they were just sort of scrumming. But that was the one thing where it was like, oh, that's a weird little contact thing going on there. Uh, everything else has been pretty fluky. And, the, you know, the fact that they all happened in the same game was pretty weird. The fact that it happened after both teams had had some rest was pretty weird. These are the types of things you expect to happen when guys are just completely on fumes. Like Jamal Murray getting hurt at the very end of Lakers Nuggets. Dude had played basically 45 minutes a game in the playoffs. Yeah, you're eventually going to get hurt. You can't play the whole game in the modern NBA. Not with as big, tough, strong, and fast as these guys are. Eventually, you're going to get, you're going to suffer some kind of injury. So these are weird, and it blows up our continuity. That's where we had been making all of our money, was being able to analyze a previous game and know that the next ball game was just, was exclusively going to be adjustments made off the previous game with no other mitigating factors like travel, injury, home court advantage being a huge, huge factor, especially for some of the teams that we had seen to this point. You know, teams like Philadelphia that had these massive home road splits. Um, even Miami, prior to this bubble situation, we've seen that they're now a far better neutral court team than anybody else could have predicted. So anyway, we arrive at game two, and we're going to break down game one here momentarily, but it's worth noting that game two is not, there's not that continuity. Game two does not really reflect off of game one because the Heat's whole offense got obliterated by injury. Everything that they do, almost everything that they do, involves one of those two guys. Butler, of course, being the other key contributor or the key contributor. So they didn't lose their number one, but Bam going down is massive for the Heat. He is, he is their engine. He is the guy that powers their defense. They lose almost all of their rim protection with him gone. They lose almost all of their non-pick-and-roll or isolation offense with him gone. He's the guy with the ball in the mid-to-high post, you know, dribble handoffs, passes to cutters, all the movement, all the motion going on around him. They can do a little bit of that with Kelly Olynyk, who actually can space the floor better than Bam anyway, but you're not exactly respecting Kelly's attack. He's not going to clobber you on the glass, and he's definitely not going to stop you at the other end. I know that he's uh, a little kind of a mean you-know-what. Olynyk has been cited as a few dirty plays throughout his career, but if you think he's going to do anything to slow down LeBron and Anthony Davis... 
I mean, no one really can, but certainly Bam has a better shot. So, we'll do this analysis on Game 1, but we have to take it all with a grain of salt because it doesn't necessarily mean that that's what we're going to see for Game 2. For the Lakers, by the way, their pace, their expected pace in this ballgame was actually closer to 109 or 110. They overperformed, thanks largely to the fact that they didn't have that many turnovers and they shot the lights out from both three-point land and the free-throw line. For the game, they shot 45%, which actually was not all that impressive for this Lakers team. A lot of that was the fourth quarter, actually, when they were just kind of pulling up and taking weirdo shots and their focus lapsed. But either way, uh, 93% of the foul line, extremely high for the Lakers. 15 three-pointers, very high for the Lakers as well. And they raced out to a big lead. They were able to overperform their pace of 109. Over on the Heat side, they didn't have many turnovers either. Only eight giveaways for Miami. So they they did a really good job of, of protecting the basketball. It allowed them to get a lot of field goal attempts into the air. They didn't make very many of them. Shot 42.7%. Also, Lakers did a great job of not fouling. Bam missing large portions of the second half. And Dragic missing the whole second half played a role in that. Those are two of their three guys that get to the free throw line. But to the Lakers' credit, they did a good job of just not fouling when the Heat finally got that that edge. When Miami got the edge going towards the rim, the Lakers were able to contest and not foul. A lot, at least. Lakers were called for more fouls than Miami. Miami was only called for 15 fouls in the whole ballgame. It just turned out most of them were shooting fouls. AD's a tough guy to not foul. Just such a unique human being. In any event, uh, so the Heat took a lot of shots. They had 89 field goal attempts in the ballgame, uh, but very few turnovers and very few free throws. Their pace was about 104, so they actually underperformed by about six. And when you roll all of that good stuff together, a game that featured a final score of 214, actually, believe it or not, was right on the money. One team overperformed by six, the other team underperformed by six. So, yeah, the under actually was the play. I had a very slight lean to the over. We talked about this. I thought Miami would cover, and I thought the over were the plays if you were going to make any. But I did advise on Wednesday, probably leave it alone. We were going to watch game one, see how the two teams reacted to one another. They felt each other out. And then we were going to make our move in game two. uh, And then half of Miami's offense went down. So the line now, as we turn the page and look towards the game coming up tonight, Lakers favored by nine and a half, Bam and Dragic being out. They're basically saying that's like four points, roughly, because I think the line would have been adjusted up a little bit anyway. And the total of 216 and a half did come down ever so slightly off of game one's number. Um, I, I'm thinking more so because of the missing players on Miami than because of the result from game one. I think that that odds makers look at that number from game one and they're like, fine, this pretty much got the job done. Uh, but Miami's missing two guys, so we better bring it down just a little bit because people are going to be less inclined to take a big leap on and over. I don't like the total at all in this ballgame because to me, there are two ways that this game can go. There is Lakers are laser-focused and ready to kill, in which case Miami's going to struggle to break 100, and this game should go under. The other way that this could go is more like what you saw in Game 5 against the Blazers when Dame was out, when the Lakers are like, meh, 
we're just better than these guys, and we don't really have to figure out a new way to play, so bleep it, let's just outscore them. Remember that last game, Lakers-Blazers, was crazy high scoring. McCollum and, and Carmelo both had huge games on the Portland side. Lakers could not be bothered to guard anyone, and they just came down and hit more shots and won it anyway. Because of that, because of the lack of continuity, because of the, the weird motivational and emotional factors going to this game, there are two very polarizing outcomes. One would be an extraordinarily high-scoring game where you're looking more like 225-230. The other would be much more low-scoring, depending on what the Lakers are able to put up on their side, but that game might not break 210. So I don't know. And you can't really take the average of those and say, well, the average of what you just said, Dan, was actually over 216 because they're just sort of two different ways the game could go. So for the total, I think I would probably look to see how the game is playing out. Does it look like the Lakers are ready for this for a zombie heat team? They're going to have to change their game plan quite a bit, right? Like the Lakers game plan for this series with the, okay, here's how we're going to defend Dragic, here's how we're going to defend Bam Adebayo, we're not going to see that much of these other guys, and now they're gonna. There's going to be more Tyler Hero, there's going to be more Kendrick Nunn, there's going to be more Kelly Olynyk, and the Lakers are going to have to adjust their, their plan accordingly. You know, Kelly's going to drift out towards the three-point line. Do the Lakers have to go a little bit smaller? I don't know how they play a ton of Dwight Howard against Olynyk in a game like this, because the Heat are going to be all about floor spacing with no Adebayo out there. I think, I mean, you defend Kendrick Nunn not that dissimilarly from how you defend uh, Goran Dragic. Nunn, not quite as accomplished of a passer once he gets into traffic or gets into the key. So, uh, you, I mean, it, listen, I don't, I don't know his tendencies all that well, but I would certainly say continuing to dare guys to beat you by shooting over you remains a pretty easy first thing to try, and then you can kind of adjust from there, where with Dragic, it was like, look, you just you don't let him get past you because that's how he picks you apart. There isn't quite that same fear, I don't think, with Nunn, who uh, probably has a little bit better athleticism, but it just simply isn't as good of a basketball player. I, I think the big change you make here is how, how you defend Olenek versus how you defend it at a bile. Kelly can hurt you a bit more with his shot, but he's not as strong, he's not as accomplished an offensive rebounder, he's not as good of a looper, he's not as good of a defensive player. Um, and other than that, <laughs> other than that, they're the same guy. Wompity womp womp. For the Lakers' side, I, I see no reason to change what they were doing until Miami makes their own adjustments, but, I mean, this is... Not having Bam is a really big deal, because the Lakers now have so many areas of mismatch to exploit. One of the one things Miami could do against L.A. was switch Adebayo onto pretty much anybody on the perimeter and, uh, you know, assume that he's going to give them a, a decent fight. You know, LeBron's not going to be able to just completely roast him. AD's not going to be able to just completely roast him. That's very different now. The Lakers can put Olenek in all sorts of pick-and-roll situations, and sure, he's not the worst in the league at getting out to the perimeter and, and defending these guys, but if you don't think LeBron can just blow right past him, you got another thing coming. 
They'll stand a better chance against Anthony Davis, who will probably also try to beat him off the dribble. And then, you know, what's going on behind him? There's just no, how do they protect the rim? The Lakers should be able to score almost at will in this game if they are focused, if they are paying the level of attention to the competition that the finals deserve. But there's a non-zero chance that, and I don't... hmm. Tough to speak to this on the LeBron front because it doesn't seem like he's the kind of guy that's going to lose focus. But there's plenty of guys that don't have that. I mean, we all know the LeBron stare face. And maybe the bubble helps in this regard because there really isn't a whole lot else going on for these dudes. Their families are there, so that does make it a little bit different. But I I wouldn't be at all surprised if the Lakers came out and were sort of gliding through this game. It's almost like they need to lose to an Adebayo and Dragic, Dragic, it's hard to say, Dragicless. Um a Bam and Goronless Miami Heat team to be forced to wake up again. That's a that's a real possibility. One thing I will say, it's it's hard to beat a team in the NBA Finals by double digits, and the Lakers did it handily in Game One. And the fact that it was so easy for them makes me think that this one's going to require a little bit more fight. So if anything at all, I would have a slight lean to Miami catching nine and a half points because it's just a ton. Uh, but at the same time, you know, if this is a regular season game, I'd be hammering Miami with nine and a half points. This is a, this would be a classic look ahead where the Lakers are like, oh yeah, they don't even nobody's left on this team. We'll just coast our way through. We can go at eighty five percent. But because it's the finals, there's a lot of question mark stuff hanging over this game. And the big question mark really is how seriously the Lakers take the ball game. Which seems like a stupid thing to say about an NBA Finals game, but it's just human nature. When your opponent is is kneeling, which is what happened with these injuries in Game 1, the, the, the Lakers knocked the heat down, it's, it's human nature to... Ease up a little. Like we saw in the fourth quarter when Miami was getting bludgeoned. And so I bring you the worst. Not worst. Actually, it's probably the best advice in sports betting. I bring you the best advice, but also the most boring advice in sports betting. Leave it alone. Leave it alone. We might end up being right. We might end up have nailing... We might end up having... Nailed every element of the handicap. Lakers make the right adjustments. They take it super seriously. They win by 15. Easy going away. I mean, but if they don't take it seriously, that game will go over and Miami will cover. And we don't know. I don't have someone in the bubble to tell me how truly focused the Lakers are. But with the news that's come out between games about the Miami injuries, I wouldn't be at all surprised if they weren't. 100% locked in. Wouldn't be surprised. Also wouldn't be surprised if they were. Don't bet on things where you have no idea the mental state of one of the two teams involved. Don't do it. It's too much of a question mark. So it seems a weird time to do a MyBookie promo when I've just told you not to bet on something. But don't worry, there's all sorts of other stuff you can bet on college football, the NFL, baseball playoffs, soccer, 
and so much more. And and maybe the next NBA game, once we get a better feel for how these two teams are reacting to one another with some of the guys out. You can do it all. Well, the buddy's over at mybookie.ag. By the way, we need you guys. We need you guys. That's what keeps these. That's what keeps this locomotive going. So check them out. Promo code is hoopball. Mybookie.ag. Actually, it's a brand new month. So uh, even more so, if there's any one of you out there that's been considering getting a lawnmower 3.0 from our buddies over at Manscaped.com, this would be a great time to do it for all parties involved. For you, you need to do some hygiene work. For us, it's October now, so it's time for us to really hammer that partnership again. Uh, manscaped.com is the website promo code over there is hoopball20 remembers there the number at the end hoopball20 all one word h-o-o-p-b-a-l-l the number is two zero for 20 percent off free shipping on your lawnmower 3.0 over at manscaped pinch free waterproof technology with a built-in led light and 90 minutes of battery life so you can trim the hair off of yourself and everybody you know without charging that damn thing but please wash it in between hardy har har i know very silly uh that's all i got guys that's all i got there wasn't really any any big time news um you know some rumors floating around right now the hawks the pistons the suns have all expressed passing interest in jeremy grant with the expectation that he's gonna opt out and if he ends up on the Pistons, I think I'd be pretty stoked because he'd have a giant role there. His role on the Hawks and the Suns would be a bit more questionable. And if he comes back to the Nuggets, which I think is probably the most likely ending to that saga, his role is going to be great. You know, he's a Dan Vespers old man squad type of guy, among so many others. Don't worry, we'll get into that after the finals are over. By the way, Jimmy Butler not on the injury report for Game 2, so his ankle thing seems to have cleared up okay. AD, LeBron, all the key Lakers are also probable for Game 2. And that is where we settle. That's where we settle. Oh! Oh my god, I can't believe I forgot one of the biggest pieces of news. What am I, what am I doing over here if not this? Doc Rivers has already gotten a new job. <laughs> can't believe I forgot that. That should have been the first thing we talked about on this podcast. And the Woj tweet was hilarious. After a rapid courtship and negotiation, what a what a perfect way to put it. Doc Rivers out of a job for what was it? Four days? Did I lose track? That was that was Monday or Tuesday of this week, right? That's silly. That is super silly. Um, yeah, it was, it was earlier this week. It was our Clippers guys had a podcast on Monday. So Doc Rivers fired by the Clippers on Monday, hired by the 76ers on Thursday. Three days he was out of work and got himself a five-year deal. And it has a, it is a polarizing NBA landscape out there because look, there's the, uh, Doc will garner the respect and attention of his star players element to it. But there's also the... You know, Doc actually hasn't really overachieved with the star-studded lineups. Most of his best work has been with the workman-like teams he's been given. Like last year's Clippers, massive overachievement under Doc. This year's Clippers, There's a Tobias Harris element to all of this that 
Tobias had his best work under Doc Rivers, so that's a possibility as well. But what this does do is, with Mike D'Antoni not taking the Philadelphia 76ers job, I don't think it changes the fantasy outlook for most of their key players. Like, what what are they really going to do that's all that different under Doc than under Brett Brown, other than maybe being a bit more mentally prepared for some of their ball games, You probably don't see quite that crazy home road split next year that you got this season. But schematically, uh, I don't think the changes are going to impact the fantasy values all that much. The, the one name that, and I said it a couple days ago, I think when the, the show we did after Doc got fired, so that would have been Tuesday's show, the one name we really need to pay attention to is Mike D'Antoni. He's the one guy that can step into a coaching job with a team and dramatically change fantasy numbers for players. All these other guys can do some adjustments up or down here and there. Somebody moves up around, somebody moves down around. D'Antoni's the guy that can come in wherever he probably ends up, and it'll be somewhere, unless he, unless he doesn't want to work this year. He'll, he'll get a job if he wants one. And he can step in and he can adjust guards by like five, six rounds of value. That's the guy. So congratulations to Doc Rivers. Congrats to the 76ers. They got a good guy to helm their team. One of the most uh, respected voices in the entire NBA. The question is, can he take a team of stars and really make it work? Particularly thinking back to the Boston days, when he has stars that maybe aren't as mentally tough as he had in Boston. The Boston Big Three was a an extraordinarily tough team. The Lob City Clippers were not a tough team. The current Clippers were not a tough team. The 76ers team, the verdicts, the jury's a little bit out on the toughness factor. I mean, I know that they are, like, they're far tougher than I am, so that's not the impression I want to give you guys. But just from a how-do-they-deal-with-adversity kind of toughness, that really hasn't been proven either way. The Pacers are meeting with uh, a handful of candidates. Dave Yeager, Pelicans assistant Chris Finch, Chauncey Billups is also in the mix for a potential Pacers job. I kind of forgot about that one. You've got the Pelicans gig still floating around out there, and of course the Clippers job. So we'll probably have some coaching news break over the weekend, if I had to guess, and we can assess all of that on Monday. Now we're officially done. Okay, folks, have a wonderful weekend. Uh, two finals games over the weekend, and they won't be done yet. So uh, today and Sunday, enjoy. We'll break it all down on Monday. Continuing saga, that is Fantasy NBA Today. Hold the fantasy. I'm Dan Bespris at Dan Bespris on Twitter. By the way, I got to try out using ExpressVPN and making the world think I was in Canada last night just for a little bit of fun, and I feel nicer as a result. ExpressVPN.com slash hoopball. If you want to check that out, I suggest you do. It's cool, it's fun, and it hides you and protects your privacy on the internet. Have a great weekend, everybody. This has been a Hoop Bowl presentation.